0: The following sermon, entitled Continuing in the Things Learned, was preached on the morning of October twenty third, two 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's word this evening to... Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three we will read the whole chapter. The text for this morning's sermon is verses fourteen and second Timothy chapter three, this is the inspired and thus infallible word of our God. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, At Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We end our Scripture reading at that point. The text for this morning's sermon is verses 14 and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This morning we have heard a public confession of faith. And when we hear such a profession, there are really two different perspectives from which we can look at and understand such a confession. The one is the perspective that looks back and sees such a profession as the, a sort of culmination. For the truth is that J.N. has been instructed many years by many different people whom God has placed in her life, all of whom have hoped and prayed that the instruction given would lead to what we heard this morning, a public profession of faith, so that this profession of faith is a, the fruit of all of that work, and really what underlies that, the deeper truth, is that it's the fruit of God's work of grace in her heart and life. That's one perspective that we can have when we look at a public profession of faith. The other is the perspective that looks forward. One looks back and sees it as a culmination, the other sees this as really a, a beginning and looks forward from there. For when we confess our faith, for you to confess your faith, J.N., is for you to be now a a marked woman in the eyes of our spiritual enemies. So that rather than this being the end, the climax, in many ways this is the beginning. There's a race to run. There's a spiritual battle to fight. That's the other perspective. And in light of the fact that there's both of these perspectives, both of these elements to a public profession of faith, That makes this particular passage, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15, altogether appropriate for the occasion. Because this passage of Scripture contains both of those elements, both of those perspectives. For on the one hand, the Apostle Paul, speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy, is able to speak of the learning that Timothy went through, the instruction he that received and how it led to culminated in him becoming assured of the things that he learned. He was brought to faith. But the Apostle Paul does not leave it there. For really, the main word is of the passage is not so much what Timothy has learned and been assured of, but the calling to now continue in those things that he's learned, in the things that he's been assured of. Timothy Press on in this way. Persevere in the faith. So that in this passage, we have the the backward-looking perspective as well as the forward-looking perspective. And it's in light of that that we want to look at this passage on this occasion of a public profession of faith. We do so using as our theme continuing in the things learned. Continuing in the things learned. First, we're going to look at the things learned. Second, at the calling to continue in them. And then third, the strength to do so. Continuing the things learned. First, the things learned. Second, the calling to continue. And finally, the strength to do so. In this passage, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of in That phrase, Paul speaks of both Timothy's learning as well as his faith. And the first half or the this first point of the sermon will be divided into two halves, in which we look first at the learning and then the faith. Paul is able to say of Timothy that he's learned things. What did he learn? He learned the scriptures. That's evident from verse 15. And that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. And when Paul speaks of the Holy Scriptures, he has in view the sacred writings that were the Old Testament Scriptures. That's what was available to Timothy and the others in this day in which Paul writes. These are the Scriptures about which he's going to go on to say what he does in verse 16. All Scriptures given by inspiration of God that is, we're talking about the God-breathed Scriptures. This is the, the Word of God Himself revealed unto man and written down so that it could be preserved for us. Timothy was taught the Holy Scriptures. He was taught the, the truths of the Old Testament that there's only one God and that He is to be served. He's to be worshipped. And there's nothing better to learn because, as this passage teaches us, the Scriptures are valuable. For the end of verse 15 says about the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The value, the preciousness of Scriptures, that they teach us everything we need to know for salvation, they, they tell us God's way of saving sinners. And this is summarized well in our creeds. For example, in Belgic Confession, Article 7 speaks to this very point. Belgic Confession, Article 7 begins with these words, we believe that those holy Scriptures fully contain the will of God, and now notice this, and that whatsoever man ought to believe unto salvation is sufficiently taught therein. In other words, they're able to make you wise unto salvation. That makes them valuable. And they're able to do this because the Scriptures reveal Jesus Christ. That's implied in what Paul writes here in this passage when he says they're able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. If we're saved by faith in Christ and the Scriptures make us wise unto that salvation, Well, the clear implication is that they do so by setting before us the object of our faith. They set before us our Savior Jesus Christ. And that's true, not just of the New Testament, but of the Old Testament. What Timothy had. For as Jesus Himself would say in His own ministry, in John 5, verse 39, search the Scriptures, and He's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures, For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. The Scriptures testify of Jesus Christ. They reveal Jesus Christ. And it's for that reason that they're able to make us wise unto salvation. And Timothy had learned the Scriptures. So we've noticed what he learned. The Scriptures. Notice next, from whom he learned them. And that's, from His God-given teachers. There's a reference to them in the end of verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. God gave teachers to teach Timothy. And that certainly included his godly mother and grandmother. We say that in light of what we read in 2 Timothy 1: verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, Timothy, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also Timothy had a godly mother. Now when we compare this passage that we just read, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, to what we read in the history recorded in the book of Acts chapter 16, it's evident that Though Timothy's father was still living, evidently he was an unbeliever and he was given one godly parent. But as 1 Corinthians 7 teaches us, God is able to use one godly parent to sanctify the children of the family. And so it was for Timothy. His mother spent herself to teach him the truths of God's Word. He was instructed in those Trues, but it was not just his mother his grandmother there were others and that certainly includes the apostle paul he's included here of those who've been teaching timothy and we say that in light of what paul himself has written in this book in chapter 1 verse 13 for example paul says to timothy hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me Paul had taught Timothy. That comes out also in chapter 2, verse 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. And then what follows, but the point we're making is Paul is one of these individuals included under the category of God-given teachers. And again, in light of the history in Acts chapter 16, we can say that it was the Apostle Paul that God used to teach Timothy about Jesus Christ. For though Timothy knew about the promised Messiah, he looked for the promised Messiah. It was the Apostle Paul that God used to teach Timothy and his family that this Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies. So there were God-given teachers in his life. That's from whom he learned the Scriptures. What did he learn the Scriptures? From whom God given teachers. And this passage also tells us when. When did Timothy learn these things? And that's from the time he was but a small child. That's the instruction of verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures from his earliest from the earliest years of his life. We emphasize that word early because the word for child here refers to a baby. To a little infant. And Paul, by inspiration, is able to say that from the time you were a baby, an infant, you have known the sacred Scriptures. And now that does not mean that Timothy was somehow this superhuman child who could start talking almost right away in his life. That's not the idea. But rather, the idea is that already when he was but a baby, when he was but an infant, he grew up hearing biblical sounds. He grew up hearing his mother praying to God. He grew up hearing the singing of the songs of Zion. He grew up hearing the sounds associated with God's Word and the life that flows out of the truths of God's Word. That's what Timothy heard so that he was taught from the time that he was but a little child and that continued all throughout his life. So that when he does reach that point in which he's able to talk and to converse and to be taught and understand things, he was receiving instruction. And that continued really all the way until the time that the Apostle Paul writes this letter. So the Apostle Paul could say to Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, because he had learned the Holy Scriptures. And cannot the same thing be said of us? It can be said of you, J.N., You've been taught and you've learned the Holy Scriptures. Not just the Old Testament Scriptures, but the whole of God's Word. Which is to say, we've been taught Christ crucified. And that there's salvation to be found only in Him. And we've learned this from God-given teachers. That includes a godly mother who, like Eunice, has Seen to it that you've been instructed in the truths of God's Word. It includes godly godly teachers who have been used of God to stand in the place of the parents during the day to, to teach our children from the truths of God's Word. It includes pastors and other office bearers who've likewise given instruction, whether it be in catechism or in some other form. You've been taught And you've learned the sacred Scriptures. And for all of us, that's reason to give humble thanks to our God. And we're instructed that that is the proper response to having God's Word and being taught God's Word, especially in the Canons of Dort. Canons of Dort, Heads 3, 4, Article 7. This is found in the back of our Psalters on page 68 if you wish to follow along. Heads three four article 7 teaches us this about what explains why God's Word goes to some but not to others. This mystery of His will, God discovered to but a small number under the Old Testament, under the New, the distinction between various peoples having been removed, He reveals Himself to many without distinction of people. The cause of this dispensation, that is the, the explanation for why the Word goes to some and not to others, is not to be ascribed to the superior worth of one nation above another, nor to their making a better use of the light of nature, but results wholly of the sovereign good pleasure and unmerited love of God. Hence, they to whom so great and so gr- gracious a blessing is communicated that they've been taught the word and that this has happened above their desert or rather notwithstanding their demerits are bound to acknowledge it with humble and grateful hearts and with the apostle paul with the apostle to adore not curiously to pry into the severity and justice of god's judgment displayed to others to whom this grace is not given. For us who've been given the Word, who've heard the preaching, who've been taught from our youth, what this is teaching us is the explanation is not that we're somehow better than others, but it's entirely according to God's eternal decree. His plan. And therefore, as those who've been taught the Word, many of whom have grown up hearing the Word the entirety of our lives, the response is that we are bound to acknowledge it with humble and grateful hearts to give thanks to our God for this. Especially because in this we see the work of our chief prophet, Jesus Christ. For the reality is that He is the One who teaches us. And I say that in light of the specific language that's found in the passage that we're considering. When the Apostle Paul says what he does at the end of verse 14, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that word whom is singular. There is one person particularly in view and that person is not Eunice, it's not Lois, it's not Paul. It's our great prophet and teacher, Jesus Christ. He's the one who teaches us. Yes, He uses instruments. He uses a, a plurality of teachers to work on His behalf to teach us. But those teachers are just that. They're, they're instruments in His hand. He is our teacher who's taught us by His Word and by His Spirit. And knowing that we've learned these things from Him from our Savior Jesus Christ, that then is especially reason to give Him thanks. So because we too have learned the sacred Scriptures, our response is to give thanks to our God for that gift. But Now very importantly, the Apostle Paul was able to say about Timothy that he has not only learned these things, but he's also been assured of them. And that's so important because knowledge all by itself is not going to do any good. Knowledge by itself cannot save, but praise be to God, for Timothy and for us, it's not just that we've learned these things, it's that we've been assured of these things. That is, we've been brought to saving faith. So having looked at, Timothy's learning. We now want to look at Timothy's faith as it's mentioned here in this passage. And that comes out in what he says in verse 14, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of." Timothy was firmly persuaded of these things. He had been convinced of the truthfulness of them. It's likewise the teaching of that verse we read earlier. Second Timothy one verse five, Paul says to Timothy, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. In other words, Timothy was not faking his faith. He wasn't just pretending to believe, but this was a, an unfeigned faith, a real, genuine, saving faith. And all this is to say that Timothy not only heard the sacred scriptures, but he he believed them. He believed that what we have here in the Scriptures is indeed the very Word of God. He assented to the the truthfulness of them. He embraced them as truth. And what is more, with an assured confidence, he looked to Jesus Christ for salvation. He trusted that what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago in His day, not nearly that long ago, but that what He had done What Jesus Christ had done, He had done for him, for Timothy personally. He believed the sacred Scriptures. He believed in Jesus Christ and thus he was saved. That's the whole point of verse 14. That the Scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He believed in Jesus Christ by faith and thus He was saved. And the explanation for this is God's work of grace in His heart and life. And again, that's what the the direction that the passage itself points us in. For did you notice that when the Apostle Paul comes to speaking of his faith, he, he puts it in the passive? Notice the language here, but Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And now what we would expect is and hast believed. And that would be entirely appropriate if the Apostle Paul had put it that way. He used an active verb. Thou hast learned them. And you are expecting him to say and thou hast believed them. But he doesn't say that. He says instead, which thou hast been assured of. There's someone else assuring Timothy of these things. There's someone else establishing Him in the faith, giving Him this gift of faith. And that someone else is our Savior Jesus Christ through the work of the Spirit. Yes, He uses means. The preaching of the Gospel especially. But as every parent and every preacher knows, when we teach others, we have no way of accessing the heart. We have no way of taking that Word of God and making it effectual in the heart and life of a sinner. That's God's work. God is the one who works in the hearts of His people. He's the one who, who works faith, who confers faith. And so it was for Timothy. And thus the praise goes to our God for giving us that gift of faith for working in us the, the will to believe in the act of believing. And what was true of Timothy is true of all God's people and is true of you, J.N. That you too have not only learned, but you've been assured of that you believe it by Faith. In other words, you too believe that the scriptures are the Word of God. And what Jesus Christ did at the cross of Calvary two thousand years ago, He did for you personally. So that the the knowledge of the Scriptures is not just a, a head knowledge but a heart knowledge. And the evidence of that is your profession of faith and your Christian walk. As a pastor, I often wish that the whole of the congregation could somehow hear the professions of faith that the consistory hears that stands behind the one word answer that we heard this morning, that simple yes. It's not really feasible, but it would be wonderful if it could be recorded or something in Everyone could hear it so that everyone in the congregation could have the same confidence that the consistory has. That that one word, yes, was not a feigned faith. It was not a mere profession. But it was the expression of an unfeigned faith. Now what explains that? God's grace in our hearts and lives. For what was true of Timothy is true of all of us. That our faith does not have its source in us. Our faith is not a matter of us exercising an alleged free will. But faith is a gift. It's something the Spirit works in us. He breathes it into us. He bestows it upon us. And thus, this morning, we give thanks to God. As a congregation, having heard a public profession of faith, our response is to say, blessed be the name of our God for Thy saving grace in our hearts and lives, for Thy faithfulness to Thy promise of old to establish Thy covenant with believers and their children. That's our response. Is to bless the name of our God. And the reality is, we could stop there this morning. Everything we've said by itself could be a standalone sermon. But as of yet, we really have not come to the main point of the text. Because while this passage includes instruction about learning and being brought to saving faith, The main word of the text is the calling to continue in that. That's what the Apostle Paul says at the outset of verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. And what an important word that is. How necessary is this word to continue? And it's so crucially important. This is an urgent word because of all those temptations, all of those pressures not to continue. And when we look at the the context here, we can see from the context some of those pressures, some of the dangers for God's people, for a young person who's made confession of their faith. Danger includes the Allure of the wicked world around us and the, the appeal of worldliness. We say that in light of what the Apostle Paul says in verses in chapter three, verses one and following. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We live in perilous times. And what characterizes the perilous times is the great wickedness of the world and how sin abounds. Verses 2 and following just give us a long list of sins. Why are they perilous times? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and it keeps on going. We live in a, a sinful world. And with that comes temptation. To join them in their pursuit of the pleasures of sin. Verse 4 says, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. The temptation is to join the wicked world. To forsake our profession for the sake of pursuing the so-called pleasures of sin. And is this not the very warning that Jesus Christ gave? In His parable of the sower and the seeds, some of the seed that was sown fell among the the thorns. It is sprouted. Seemed to be doing well, but then eventually is choked out by those thorns. And the explanation given is the explanation of Matthew 13, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is He that heareth the Word and the care of this world and the deceitfulnesses, deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. There's the appeal of worldliness, and it's in light of that that the calling is continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of. But that's not the only danger. Another danger is the danger of false teachers. That too comes out from the context, verses 6 and 13. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse loss. Verse thirteen. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's talking about false teachers who who lead God's people away, and it's this poses a, a temptation. This poses a threat because there are those who would have us to believe a, a distorted version of the gospel who would have us to reject the truths of God's Word. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul was addressing when he wrote his epistle to the Galatians. They were being bewitched, led astray by false teachers who were presenting a Gospel that was an altogether different Gospel than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's another danger. But now, on top of the, the appeal of worldliness, on top of the the danger of false teachers, there's also the pressures of persecution. That too is a part of the context. The Apostle Paul speaks of his own persecution in verse 11. Verse 10 starts, "...but thou hast fully known my..." and then a long list, which includes persecutions, afflictions, "...which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured." And the thing is that persecution is not reserved for someone like Paul or reserved for an office bearer, but this is something we all must expect to one degree or another. That's verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Unless there's going to be the temptation for those who profess their faith to give up to give in when the pressure comes. To conclude in the end, it's not worth it. It's not worth the reproach. It's not worth the pain. And again, this is something Jesus Christ warned about in that same parable. Because while some of the seed fell among the thorny ground, other fell on the stony ground. It likewise sprouted for a time, but then withered. Why? What Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, verse 21, Yet hath He not root in Himself, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the Word, by and by He is offended. And Now it's in light of these dangers, and there are others, but we've drawn three out of the context that this is an important word. This is an urgent word that we hear this morning the calling to continue. Timothy, my son in the faith, continue in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of. Which is to say from a negative point of view, do not be led astray by the wicked world who tries to draw you to join them in pursuing the pleasures of sin and who love that more than they love God Timothy, don't follow them. Continue. And Timothy, what is more, don't be deceived by those false teachers. Don't believe them when they they tell you a a different version of the Gospel and they spread lies about our God. Don't be led astray, but continue. And Timothy, when there's persecution that comes, don't let the, the pressure of it make you cave. Don't conclude that it's not worth it to follow my Savior Jesus Christ. But Timothy, continue. And that's the, the positive. Continue. That is, remain here. Uh, abide here. That's the, the most basic meaning of this word that's used here. To remain. To abide. Extension By extension, it means to, to hold on firmly to something. To, to cling to it. And by using this language, the Apostle Paul is calling Him to persevere in the faith. That's the, the theology that's being expressed here. The, the perseverance of the saints. This is the same thing that Jesus Himself taught us in John 8, verse 31. If ye continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed. And Now, that does not mean that it's Our continuing, our persevering, that is a a condition we need to fulfill in order to be His disciples. It's not that we have to to earn final glory by our continuing or persevering. But nevertheless, the Word of God does come to us with this calling, with this exhortation, continue. Persevere. That is, there's now a, a race in front of you and you are to run that race until the very end, until it's finished. There's now a, a, a spiritual fight that you're engaged in. There's a battle. And you're to fight that good of fight, fight of faith until at last you can lay your armor down. Timothy, continue. Now there's more to this calling to continue, then simply the calling to persevere. Because included in this is also the calling to grow. And I say that because when Scripture calls us to continue, the idea cannot be that we. this means we can become stagnant or idle as Christians. When God's Word calls us to continue, the idea in we should have in our mind is not that of a flat line moving horizontally, but the calling to continue is more like a a line that's angled up there's there's growth, there's development, there's a maturing that takes place that's included in this idea of continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of, and that too, is a part of the teaching of scripture, for example. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. He's calling for growth. Same thing in 2 Peter, the very last verse. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in light of these passages that we recognize that continue means not only persevere, but grow. Grow in knowledge. Because when you've confessed your faith, the idea is not I've learned everything that I need to learn through catechism, but grow in your knowledge and that you continue to grow by sitting under the the preaching by continuing to come to catechism to learn the the Reformed confessions by studying God's Word, attending Bible studies, reading good Reformed literature, grow in knowledge. Not just in knowledge, grow in the Christian life. For when we make confession of faith, the idea is not that we've arrived as a Christian. The idea is not that This is now the pinnacle of the Christian life. But this is the beginning of it in some ways. We're to abound more and more in our love for one another, in our living of the Christian life. We're to put away those sins that still cling to us. We're to seek other ways to serve in the church. All that's included in this calling, continue. Continue in the sense of persevering. Continue. In the sense of growing. And we're to heed this word for good reason. We're to heed this word in light of those teachers we have. You see, there's a connection between this main word and what follows. Verse 14 starts, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of." And now the Apostle Paul adds, "...knowing..." of whom thou hast learned them. And the idea is that when you think about who you've learned them from, that's encouragement to continue. Because think of those God-given teachers. The godly parents. The the godly teachers. The godly office bearers. And see the work of grace in their hearts and lives. See what God's grace has done to transform of them. And knowing God's work, grace is so powerful, is it? Encouragement to continue. We're to continue especially because it's ultimately our chief prophet who's taught us. He's used these others, but they're simply instruments in his, in his hands. And knowing that the Holy Scriptures are coming from Him, knowing that He's the one teaching us, is reason to continue in these things. This is the, the Word of Christ Himself to us. This is a part of what it means to be one of His disciples, that we follow Him and follow His teachings. Continue knowing of whom you have learned these things. But also knowing the value of what you've learned, Timothy. Because remember, these things are able to make you wise unto salvation. That too is a part of this connection. Timothy, continue knowing of whom you've learned these things and... And he goes on to talk about the Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Continue in them because this is where true wisdom is found. Oh yes, the world will mock us and ridicule us. They think it's silly that we believe this is the Word of God. the God breathed Scriptures. They think it folly that this whole idea of a crucified Savior This is true wisdom that's given to us in the Word, wisdom that's able to make us wise unto salvation, and that's reason to continue in them. So, having learned the sacred scriptures, having been assured of them, that it is, brought to saving faith. God's word that comes to every one of us and God's word that comes to you in a special way this morning, J.N., is continue in those things. And now, as God's children who are thankful for our salvation and for that gift of faith in Jesus Christ, we do want to continue. But when we consider the dangers, the temptations, when we consider our own sinfulness, every child of God thus confesses, I am unable. God's Word says continue, and I say, I can't. Not of my own strength. Not if I'm left to myself. And thus we're reminded to look to our Savior Jesus Christ. For it's in Him that we find the strength to heed this Word. We look to our Savior this morning because it's about Him that it can be said in an even greater way that from a child, he learned and knew Holy Scripture. Is it not striking that the one event of Jesus' entire childhood that is recorded for us on the pages of Scripture is a passage about him learning God's Word? When he stays behind in Jerusalem, and he's found days later in the temple, hearing from the learned men, asking them questions, he was learning the holy scriptures, and that that one snapshot of the childhood of Jesus Christ is representative. From a child, he was learning the sacred scriptures, and that. Was true the whole of his upbringing so that about him in a far greater way it could be said that from the time you were a child, you knew the holy scriptures, but now, though there's a parallel there there's, though there's a parallel here, there is an important difference, because as Jesus Christ learned the sacred scriptures, as he learned what they said about the promised messiah. He was learning about what he himself had to do. So that when he learned from the sacred scriptures that the Messiah must lay down his life as a sacrifice for sins, he recognized that's my calling. When he learned that the Messiah must die in a cursed death to deliver his people from the curse, he was learning that's my calling. And when he was no longer a child, but fully grown, and when he had been baptized, ordained into the office of Messiah, having learned the sacred scriptures, God's word came to him. Continue in the things you've learned. That is, continue on the path that leads to the cross. And the good news of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ did. Even when the devil tempted Him not to continue to go a different path to establish an earthly kingdom, to take the easy way, Jesus Christ continued. Even when He's rejected by city after city, even when the religious leaders are making plots to kill Him, Jesus Christ continued. Even when one of His own disciples, having heard that He must go to Jerusalem and die, tried to convince Jesus, don't go, this... This isn't the right way. Jesus Christ, nevertheless, continued. He continued. Even when the the prospect of going to the cross was so heavy on Him that it was pressing out sweat as drops of blood, He continued. And even when He had been nailed to that cross... And the people passing by were goading him, Why don't you just come down? He continued. He continued to the very end. He continued until he had drank every last drop of the cup of God's wrath. He continued until he had made payment for every last one of our sins. And all that is to say, he continued until at last he could say, It is finished. Jesus Christ continued in the things that he learned. And the good news of the gospel is that because he so continued, Our final salvation does not depend on our continuing, on our persevering. For because Jesus Christ lived a life of perfect obedience, because He endured God's wrath, because He gave His life as a ransom for us, He thereby accomplished the whole of our salvation. He he earned all all of the blessings of salvation so that it's all based on Him. So that not one aspect of our salvation is now dependent on us, but the whole of it is freely given to us on the basis of Christ's saving work by means of faith. And that includes our preservation. For the good news of the Gospel is that because Jesus Christ continued, He will now preserve us until the very end. If we had to make it to the end, in our own strength of ourselves, we would have no hope. But in His grace, Jesus Christ preserves us. Having begun a good work in us, He will complete it until it is finished. And now importantly, to connect this back to the calling, continue in the things that you've learned and been assured of, Jesus Christ preserves us by giving us the grace to persevere. That is, He calls us, He commands us, continue, persevere, and then He gives what He commands. He gives the strength to heed that Word. So that the point is that the strength is found in Him. Not in ourselves, but in our Savior Jesus Christ, the One who continued until it was finished. And so this morning, let us look to our Savior Jesus Christ and humbly confess, I cannot continue in my own strength of myself Grant me the strength that I need. Amen. Let us pray. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word and for the good news of the Gospel that there is salvation in Jesus Christ and that by Thy grace Thou wilt preserve us. Knowing this, we come boldly before Thy throne of grace asking for that grace sufficient to continue in the things that we've learned and been assured of. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.